Smarty Pants Lance, Smarty Pants Lance, Smarty Pants Lance. Hello, everybody. Today, I want to tell a story based on a not-so-hilarious or could-be-hilarious mishap of a good friend of mine back east. How that relates to my summer job in the summer of 1977 and whether or not any of this has anything to do with spiritual growth or it's somehow meant to be. Oh, my God. Everything is spiritually based and everything is meant to be. And it's all for a higher purpose and the growth of you as a glorious being that's here on Learning Ship Earth. And it's down here to sing its glorious one song and join it. Just shut up, okay? So back to our story about the summer job I had in 1977. Where were you in 1977, the summer thereof? My uncle got me a job working at a radio station. Why does this have to do with your friend's mishap? Well, all right, we should start with the mishap. The mishap is he done locked himself out to his house and he had security doors and he had no keys and his wife was out town and he had to somehow get back in the house. He actually spent hours hurling his body with great thundering force against the door until he finally smashed it open, <laughs> thus causing numerous injuries to himself, but at least he got inside. Importantly, once inside, he was able to feed his cat. If you knew his wife, who's strong enough to lift a house, if she were there, she'd probably, well, she'd probably just use a key. This plays into what I'm going to tell you about in just a second. In the summer of 1977, August the 16th, Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll, passed away. Did he pass away like it was a gentle thing? Or was it straining at stool? That's right, he had a myocardial infarction, a heart attack, in other words, while he was trying to strain out a growler. And he's like singing my way. Hello, the end is near. And so I face, ah, uh, oh, that final, ah, uh, curtain. My friend, I'll make it clear. I'll stay my, ah, uh, my case, of which I'm, ah, uh, uh, certain. I have a bowel that's full and, ah, uh, well, you get the point. And it made me think about, why don't I take a look at the week for August the 16th, 1977, and see what the top hits were. At number one, we had, I just want to be your everything. Ah, know what I mean? Know what I mean? Say no more, say no more. Best of my love. Oh, baby, my, my love. <laughs> Easy, the Commodores. Uh, is he referring to a character trait of a particular lady or just easy times? Do you want to make love? Make love? Who says make love these days? Today it's more like hookups and just sex. <laughs> lots and lots of sex. <laughs> hey, you want to make love? Are you just going to fool around? Let's get at it. I got to get back to the office. Undercover ain't... You notice the theme? All these have something to do with sex. It was a sexy summer of uh, 1977. That's for sure. Undercover Angel by Alan O'Day. About an undercover angel, a midnight fantasy. Know what I mean? Know what I mean? Say no more. Nudge, nudge. Wink, wink. Say no more. This uh, particular offering by uh, Mr. O'Day was about a teenage boy who was having <laughs> a midnight wet dream. And back then, it might have been about Farrah Fawcett. She was an angel, you know. 
although my preference was Jacqueline Smith, although Kate Jackson wasn't bad either, though in my own dream I could say yes, yes, oh yes. And how many of them would have ever said yes to me? Zero! Uh, but I digress. Looks like we made it, Barry Manilow. Is there a double meaning, a double entendre in there? Barry Manilow, looks like we made it! Don't stop! Fleetwood Mac, again, is that sexual or what exactly is that? Barracuda, by heart. Oh man, I remember driving around downtown Monterey that summer and blasting that song. If I had it any louder, it might have just torn the speaker in my uncle's 1972 Vega to shreds. Lonely Boy, Andrew Gold. Hey, have a conversation with Danny O'Day about what happens when you're a lonely boy at midnight in your bedroom. Perchance a little self-soothing? Angel in your arm, or these days, jab in your arm, or you're not allowed to do anything at all at any time. You sit on a three-legged wooden stool with your nose pressed in the corner, and you don't leave until you get the jab. And finally, Margaritaville. My God, there's a song that will never go away. And does anyone ever sing that song sober? And now to the story I teased at the very beginning. I'm working at this radio station. Now, the owner of this particular radio station did not trust anyone with a key to it. He hired a security company to unlock the station in the morning and then lock it up again at around midnight. This radio station was inside the American Tin Cannery. So there's Cannery Row, made famous by Steinbeck. And at the end of Cannery Row, still right there on the ocean, was this giant cannery for sardines called the American Tin Cannery. The radio station studio was chosen to be there because it was the least expensive possible place you could rent. A deserted, dilapidated cannery at the end of Cannery Row. There was a small office area, but most of it was a gigantic daylight workroom with brick floors and broken glass and wildcats and old sardine cans. And there was also the ovens in there. At night, you couldn't see a thing. Well, what if you needed to use the restroom? I must go do what no man may do for me. You had to go through the daylight workroom, and of course at night there's no light there, to another area of the building where the bathroom, also having no lights in it, was located. In this bathroom was a bottle, an amber-colored glass bottle of Lysol with spiderwebs on it. I looked closely at the bottle, and I noticed the price was 17 cents. You know that that thing had been there even in 1977 for quite a while. Uh, the H in front of the W for emphasis. While. I carried a baseball bat with me because God knows what you might encounter, especially in the dark, when I had to go use the, uh, the shitter. There was a gigantic fire door to protect the small office area from the daylight workroom with the furnaces and the ovens and the cans and the people and etc, etc. Enough already with the exposition! You think I'm gonna live forever! I show up one morning, the door is being unlocked by the security guy, and I walk in, get everything set up, turn the station, put it on the air, and someone had cracked a window way up high to let a little ventilation in, thank God. And I needed to use the, uh, <laughs> the bathroom, even though there certainly was no bath there. We had water, and it came out the spigot brown is what it was. It was brown, and when you flush the toilet, you could see the stains in it from all the rust. When you need to go, you need to go. 
Now, what I didn't know is that as I went to the bathroom, the door that connected the office area slash studio from this big metal steel door from the daylight workroom, which I had to go through, slammed shut due to the wind from that one window being open. And it turns out that door was set to automatically lock. I return and now I can't get into the studio because the freaking door is locked. Hey man, are you feeling the tie-in between me being locked out of the station and my friend being locked out of his house back east? With no cell phones in that era and no change in my pocket to make a phone call, and I don't know who I'd call anyway because I didn't have the phone number for the security company, I didn't have the phone number for the owner of the station, I did this. I ran, full speed, all the way down to the end of Cannery Row where there was another radio station where a guy who I suspected was on the air doing the morning show would be. And he happened to be the chief engineer of the station I was working at. Now, this used to be an old whorehouse or cat house or brothel. You pick the term depending on how polite you want to be about it because the sailors coming in with all their sardines eventually needed a little bit of a <laughs> horizontal refreshment. So I get there and of course it's locked and I'm on the street in the morning and I'm yelling up through the balcony where the girls would you know, wave to the sailors as they came back into port and I'm yelling, hey Rick, hey Rick, Rick. And eventually Rick, who was there, thank God, Comes to the balcony, he's like, what, what, what do you want? And I go, I locked myself out of the other station. Do you have a key for it? He says, yeah, yeah, come up here. So he unlocks the, the door. And by the way, you have to run up all these narrow stairs to get up to where all the rooms were, where the girls entertained. And each room was, of course, small and about the same size and equally spaced down the hallway. But where the studio was, where they played records and did the news, was originally the parlor area for the, uh, the girls. So he gives me his key. Now I got to run all the way back down Cannery Row, all the way back to the station. I put the key in the lock and it doesn't work. <laughs> and I try everything. I wiggle it. I jiggle it. I move it in and out. It doesn't freaking work. So... I got to run all the way back down Cannery Row, back to the station, stand out in the street yelling, hey, Rick, hey, Rick, hey, Rick. He comes, he goes, what, what now? Did you get it open? And I said, oh, uh, I just thought I'd run all the way back here to tell you that uh, the key worked that I was able to unlock the station. I mean, what does he think? No, I didn't get it open. If I got it open, I would be there and return your key later. Did you try jiggling it? Did you try this? Did you try? And of course, we're yelling at each other out in public there on the street. It's a heavy tourist area, and tourists are, you know, arriving in that era, that time of the morning. He says, "No worry, I'll call the owner." They call him. He says, "Okay, I'll, I'll, I knew something's wrong. I'll call the security company and have them come over there and uh, unlock it." So I race all the way back to the station again, all the way down Canada, all the way up there. And then what happens is nobody's there and nobody's there and nobody's there. So then I kind of race walk all the way back down Canary Road to the station, yelling at Rick again. And I'm like, you know, what's going on? And he says, I don't know. I'll call the owner. So I stand around. He calls the owner. And it turns out that the owner told him, oh, yeah, he called the security company. They went right over, didn't see anyone there, so they didn't want to unlock it, and they left. So then he said, I'll be there. I'll unlock it myself. And then I had to race, walk, jog, kind of who cares, all the way back to the station. And finally he showed up. But by now, we had <laughs> well over an hour of just dead air. 
And to me, that was super important, but in the big scheme of things, not so important. All right. What does this have to do with spiritual growth? What does this have to do with meant to be? How does this improve my spirit? Um, I don't know. Maybe it somehow tested my aerobic fitness? I don't know. But I'll tell you something else that was fit to happen in that summer of 1977. This is Cannery Row. Each year, millions of tourists come to the old canneries to spend money on trinkets, knickknacks, and tchotchkes. They also hog down the plentiful supply of fish at one of the many restaurants that overcharge them for their mediocre overfried fare. But if something happens to one of those abandoned tinderbox wooden canneries, that's when I go to work. I carry a badge. Now, all the way at the end closest to the American Tin Cannery, where Cannery Row curves sharply and then goes slightly uphill, was a bunch of, of course, abandoned wooden tinderbox canneries. And one night, they done burned down all the way to the ground. And they fell in on each other. Could it have been Satan, maybe? What do we do? Oh, my God, what do we do? Those worthless wooden tinderbox abandoned canneries are gone. I know. Let's put the Monterey Bay Aquarium in that corner. They're gone anyway. Certainly, there was nothing at all suspicious about the setting of that fire or how it was done. Suspicious, eh? In the heat of the investigation, the trail went cold. The whole thing became a little bit fishy. Well, pardon moi, I'm having trouble tracking the point of all of this. Is it uh, some kind of spiritual growth, uh, or to remember to have a spare key on you, or to give someone a key so they can get in where need be, or uh, is it that sometimes uh, a scorched earth policy leads to uh, a dandy aquarium? Uh, I'm a, I'm a little bit lost and uh, and confused. Also, I had a little trouble tracking all this because I didn't hear anything about a love interest. Actually, Ronnie, there was a love interest. I met a girl at Lover's Cove, that's what it's called, when I slept in between shifts at the radio station, and she scratched her name and phone number into the wax on my wax Coke cup, but by the time I got home, the sun had melted the wax, I didn't have her number, and I never saw her again. Well, perhaps instead of scratching her name and phone number on the side of your cup, she should have given you a copy of the key to her door. <laughs> That's what old Ron would have asked for. Rock on!